Greetings and welcome to the latest episode of The First Day Pod. Join my co-host, Leanne Hello, and myself, Michael Govier, as we talk to this week's guest, Jay Dunlop. Jay is a construction worker and a father who has quit smoking recently. He's going to share with you what worked and what didn't. Jay is fallible just like us, and chances are you're going through something similar to what Jay is right now. So our goal is to have people on like Jay, who are just regular folks, that can share their personal stories of achievement, progress, or growth in any way. Not everybody's a smoker, but the story and the methods behind quitting smoking can be applied to many other areas of life. So get your notepad out because it's time to take notes and learn from Jay Dunlop, plus a lot more beyond smoking, trust me. All of that and more right now on the latest edition of The First Day Pod. We apologize for the delay. We're a few minutes late, but hey, sometimes tactical issues happen and that's what you got to deal with in this life. It's part of the journey. So welcome in First Day Pod, Michael Govier. Leanne, hello, my co-host. And today we have a special guest, another person who's ready to tell a story about their own experience. And it's none other than Jay Dunlop. Jay, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you for giving us your time and energy, Jay. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. People excited. Yeah, look at all these people are cheering. Uh, today we're going to talk with Jay about his own experience. Uh, how long has it been since you had a smoke? Uh, we were doing the calculations at work today, and we are over 140 days. Congratulations. Wow. Hell yeah, dude. Congratulations. Not easy and, uh, to do So at far, this all. has been the longest time I've ever quit smoking. Congratulations. So I, I quit for about two months a few years ago. That was tough. Uh, I tried uh, the pill. They put me on the pills. They were horrible. They turned me into a madman. I literally was losing my mind at everybody at work. So I got off the pills. Really? On the patch. And of course, you know, one night out with the friends and a couple beers and you have a smoke and you're right back into smoking cigarettes again. So that's yes. where I ended up. So, and I mean, I've wanted to quit for years, right? It's a mindset thing. It's a mindset mm -hmm. thing. 100%. I think I was just ready to quit. I was sick of it. You know, I listened to my son from the time he was five years old till, you know, just a few months ago, tell me he doesn't want to see me die. And also that kind of hits home right at the heart, right? So yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it does. So, yeah, we're we're all doing wow. pretty good. Me and everyone actually it's a few guys that I quit with at work. It was my boss and a couple other guys that I work with. So we all quit at the same time. We That's all made awesome. the pack and we stuck to it. That's oh awesome. Has everybody stuck to it for the 140 days? Yes, yes. No one's had one cigarette since. So there's four of us that have quit smoking and we're all smoke free now for 140 days. Yep. <sighs> Congratulations. That's amazing. Yeah. I know. I know. Wow. That's, so <laughs> <serious>. That's great <laughs> news. Well, you know, it's, uh, it's okay. so, been without its trials and tribulations, I guess, either. Um, I mean, I rely on this for my cravings. Mm -hmm. So it's nicotine vape when it gets really bad or I notice I'm starting to, you know, get down on people or chew people's heads off. I just kick a couple puffs of that just to ease the tension. And I was going, you know, they got, it's a little cartridge, you can see, and it comes with the, with all the vape juice in it and stuff, and it's got the nicotine, and uh, technically they tended to last me, when I first quit, these were lasting me upwards of uh, two to three days for each cartridge, mm -hmm. and I was going through probably two packs of cartridges a week, and there's two in each pack. 
now i'm down to one mm. one cartridge every three to four days nice yeah so it's it's okay. exponentially exponentially that's awesome so i guess that's the answer to josh's question here he says jay did you quit cold turkey um technically yes technically no <laughs> i've had the aid of the, the nicotine is the only thing i really have the aid of you know it doesn't put any of the other stuff in your system like the tar and all that other crap so yeah it's been yeah. really uh it's been really great it's been a big help for sure very big help that's awesome are the other guys um using the same or what are they doing um so my boss is still using the same he's still using the nicotine vape he noticed he's cut down quite a bit on his as well and one of my co-workers has went off the nicotine altogether and it's just on the flavor vape just to kind of get him through the paces right so and the other guy he's still on the nicotine vape yeah so good Good. one guy is totally off the nicotine which is good nice that's awesome you know this is probably harder than anything else i've ever quit in my life so (laughs) i've heard that before i've heard that that smoking is one of the Smoking and eating are the two kind of really hard things to quit um, when it comes to everything. Not that everything is difficult, but those yeah. are the kind of the two that are are the hardest. And I think yeah. maybe yeah, because definitely. it's like everyday life and it's such an like a, a habit that started for a lot of people super early. Yeah, um, yeah, how long have you been smoking for? Um, first cigarette I ever had, I was eight years old. Oh, wow. uh, you know, we all used to watch our parents smoke stuff like that. Most, but most of us did anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to watch my dad smoke a pack of cigarettes every single day. You know, he worked two full-time jobs and that's just what they did back then. You know, everyone would come home, have a beer, have a smoke, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, when I was eight years old, you know, I found one of my dad's cigarettes. And so I figured, you know, I was going to try it out. So I lit it and I choked and coughed and puked and swore I was never going to do it again. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, probably just a couple short years later, me and a few friends, you know, hanging out and when we decided we were going to try smoking again. So we all hung out in the park and we cracked open that pack of cigarettes and everyone took one out. Sure enough, three or four of us all took that big puff and boom, we turned green and we were all over in the side getting sick. So, yeah. but I mean, like, <laughs> like anything else, you get used to it, you know, and then it becomes part of you. It becomes ingrained in you. So it is, it's a really tough thing to quit. I mean, like I said, I've tried several times over the last 20 years. So it's been, you know, it's been a real challenge, real challenge. But I mean, like I said, you got to be ready for it. You want to, you got to want it. You got to want it. Yes. That's a big thing. Josh says he was a three and a half pack a day guy. What about you, Jay? When I was younger, yeah, I would smoke anywhere from a pack to two packs a day. And all the more stressful situation, if you're at work or anything like that, of course, you'd smoke more. Uh, me being a construction guy, well, you know, you see us construction guys, they're hanging out of our mouth 24-7. <laughs> I mean, I probably went to bed with a few in my mouth, you know. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, uh, yeah, yep. the most I ever smoked, probably two packs a day. And that was probably, you know, back in the prime, back in my teens and my 20s. Yeah. And uh, I slowly cut myself down over the years, you know, and my son had a lot to do with that. That gets in your ear when you hear him every week saying stuff like, Dad, you know, you can die. Dad, you can get cancer. And, you know, your lungs turn black and it's not good for you. And, wow. you know, it's, uh, it, it pulled on the heartstrings. That's for sure. It did. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And you know what, as a yeah. kid, as a kid, you think that, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to tell my dad that I used to do, my uncle was a heavy, heavy smoker, heavy smoker. And, uh, the cigarettes were cheaper at the duty-free. So yeah. we're Canadian, he's American. So any holiday, any birthday, any anything, it was always, yeah. go get me a carton. So <laughs> we'd go get the carton and I would be the one that would run in 
just real quick because we were always late for the party. So I yeah. would run in really quick, grab it, and I would spend the time going through, you know, the labels that are like, and some of them are really bad labels of like all the bad things that can happen. And yeah. some of them are a little bit lighter. So I throat. would scroll yeah. through. <laughs> yes. I would get the ones with like the worst picture, the worst everything. And I, I would just like the ones with the teeth. The, that was, yeah. yeah, it was that. There was, um, anyway, so there, there were quite a few that were really, really bad. And so it was funny because they would just look at me, these people, and I'm taking them out of the shelves trying to find the worst. <laughs> and then I would bring it and bring it to my uncle thinking that's going to change. But like you said, if you're not ready, you're not ready. Yeah. That's Well, I, I believe it's the same thing with anyone with any kind of addiction. Mm -hmm. You see it on TV and a lot of the shows that are out now, you know, and uh, like intervention, stuff like that. You know, you see the people when they're not ready, they fall back in. You see it on the at the bottom of the TV at the end of the show. They relapse. They went back, you know, yeah. a lot of them and the people that are successful, are the people that really want it. They they can't stand being dependent on the drug or anything anymore. Right. They, they just want that. They want a better life. They want to change. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. smoking. Yeah, everyone's, well, you know, smoking's not bad. Smoking, it's not drugs, it's not drinking. It's just as bad. Yeah. It's killing you. Slowly, it's killing you. Yes. You know. Yeah, and just because it's legalized. Young, you, care, right? you know, when you're young, you don't care. We all are invincible, right? So it's, <laughs> you come to realize when you get this age and you see this gray hair and, you know, you've got a few kids and the stuff that comes out now and the stuff they learn they come home with, yeah, it just boggles your mind, right? So yes. I think, like I said, it was a big mindset thing. It took me a lot of years to get here, you know, but I'm here and I'm happy. Nice. Next thing I got to do is uh, get my girlfriend to quit. <laughs> okay. Uh, fiance. Yes, you know? my fiance. Yes. yes. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, sorry, I, I should correct myself, my fiance. Yes. <laughs> Just a couple uh, weeks what ago. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. What about eating? Uh, oral fixation. I know you have the vape that you can go to, but uh, have you been dealing um, with weight gain yeah, i notice my snacking has picked up um i i tend to i've got my my vices i love my uh my soft chewy cookies you know my my um i love my fudgios stuff like that and you know my girlfriend always makes it a point to grab me a, a box a week so when i'm sitting and watching a movie i can have a couple cookies you know my glass of milk it's my my med my bedtime routine kind of thing right Aww. so you know uh so for it's just basically the same thing. Like you know, just it, it's a routine, right? So you got to get out of it. You got to break those routines in order to to have change, right? But that's just you know, what's with her. Um, she loves to smoke. It's uh, her stress reliever, right? And I mean, at one point, it probably was all of our stress relievers, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so you know, like I just I push it on her, but I don't. You know, I'm not always in her ear. I want her to be ready to do it herself as well. Huge. Know? Hmm. Here's a side note from Josh. Uh, he's down to 279. Josh has uh, always been, a, he's been on our show. You could catch the episode with Josh, which was a couple mm -hmm. weeks ago on our YouTube anytime or the podcast platform of your choice, but he's down to 279, which is boy, that's like oh, 80 pounds, that, almost 80 pounds worth. That's a big number now. That's what it is. So good for you, Josh. We're really happy for you. And he yeah. also had this commentary, which we just talked about, about quitting smoking. And then he hit the food a lot more. And Jay just kind of covered that, yeah, you know, yeah, I kind of did uh, to the snacking. This, you know, I have my regular snacks, but I tend to, I probably think I probably delved into them a little bit more, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, for my weight, it's weird for me because I fluctuate. I'm a construction guy, you know, what I mean, winter, a lot of things slow down. We work indoors, we're not doing a lot of heavy lifting, you know, and if we are, it's you know, in and out of a door. When you're outdoors in the summer, you're sweating, so I fluctuate. I can go up to anywhere from 210 to 220 in the wintertime. 
you know, we all love to eat during the holidays. So I put on all that weight then. So, but I mean, yeah, I put on a few pounds since I quit. Definitely. I'd like to say I'm, I'm topping out about the 220, 215 area right now. Mm-hmm. I'm most comfortable in the 190 to 195. Okay. That's where all my clothes fit me the best. So. <laughs> okay. That's right. You know, the show is all about routines and mindset and trying to make sure that we can get the best from everybody so that maybe we could apply it to our own lives. Uh, what if things don't go according to plan here? I mean, how are you going to deal with it if somehow you do have a smoke? What's your, do you have a plan for that or do you just um, going to take it as it comes? To be honest, there isn't a day that goes by that I don't want to have a cigarette. Mm-hmm. Not a single day. I think about it every single day. You know, when you do something like that for almost 30 years yeah. or over 30 years, you know, it's always there, right? It's it's the motions. Like I notice when I pick up a pencil or anything, I'm always holding it like a cigarette. You know, I, I it's a big habit of mine, especially, you know, because I do a lot of carpentry. I'm always got a pencil in my hand. I'm always holding it like this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, you know, it's, uh, you've got to break the daily routine. Uh, I notice a lot when I start to think about it, I just all tended to walk off, maybe go grab a coffee, uh, you know, take a break for a few minutes, just get it out of my head. Right. Or just go puff on my vape. Well, you know, mm-hmm. once you have a couple puffs of that, that nicotine gets in your system. You think a lot less of the cigarette. Right. So yeah, okay. it, it's, uh, it's a struggle every day. It really is. I, I, I'm constantly telling Donna and my fiance every day. I really want a cigarette. I really want a cigarette. I really want a cigarette. You know, yeah. and she just says, "No, babe. You know, you're doing good. Go grab your vape. You know, or you know, she's a great support tool. Like, you know, if without her, I don't think I'd be able to do it. That's for sure. That's beautiful. That's huge. Because I was gonna ask, how does she respond when you do that? Because Mike and I both struggle with our eating, and I am not good when I'm there with him. And he's like, oh, I'm just, you know, this is going to be a hard one. I'm like, well, then why don't we just tonight just have a little bit of something? And Um, so I'm not good. Why do you say that? Um, Me and my girlfriend have a very weird sense of humor. Mm -hmm. Uh, Four years of being together, never fought, never had one argument, never yelled at each other out of anger, right? So um, this is a new thing for me, too. I've never really had a relationship like this. So this is a big help. You know, if I would have tried doing this probably in any other relationship, I never would have quit. <laughs> was, you know, so uh, it's it's helped. I want to say exponentially, it's helped me. Um, you know, and even with her smoking, she knows. Like you know, um, she smokes in the car. She rolls the windows down. You know, mm-hmm. tries when we're trying to make sure the scent's not in there because that's a big. You know, like I smell it. I kind of want it, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Lately, I want to say the last two weeks, at least the last two weeks. Now when I smell a cigarette, it makes me sick to my stomach. That's wonderful. I'm over, I'm over that whole, I want the cigarette. You know, it's just the motions, right? You're going yeah. through the motions. So, yeah, I think I'm pretty much over it now. Mm-hmm. So, That's cool. wonderful. Yeah. Josh has a question. Have you found a different stress reliever, Jay? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, get yourself a PS5, play a lot of Call of Duty. <laughs> yeah. There you I go. Mean, uh, yeah, you probably hear me do a lot of screaming back in my bedroom when I'm playing. But, uh, yeah, no, it's a great stress reliever for sure. Uh, you just run in there and kill a bunch of kids and you know you have some fun. <laughs> <laughs> that will not be the sound bite from here. <laughs> oh. Well, yeah, I mean, other than that, um, you know, I'll, I'll if I, you know, I see I'm starting to get on edge and I see my vapes not working, I take my dog for a walk. You know, that's a great yes. thing, especially, you know, I'd be trying to get a little routine about it every night, you know. So it's just a different routine than what I'm used to. So, you know, I go for a walk, take them a few blocks around the, you know, around the neighborhood and whatnot through the park and come back home. By that time, we're both tired and ready to go to bed. So, and he's a great cuddler. So, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. 
<laughs> That's yeah. great. So knowing nice. those triggers, like knowing when you're feeling that and being aware of it is the such a big thing that yeah. a lot of time it overtakes you. And then before you know it, you're doing the thing and you're like, what happened? So it's great that you're trying all these things and yeah, yeah. being aware of it. Well, I mean, it's nice to know that I've had a lot of support too, right? Because, you know, like uh, I still got a lot of friends that smoke, mm -hmm. you know, and a lot of my friends that do smoke uh, for the most part of the, the most of them have, you know, smoke away from me. They try not to have it right in my face. I mean, there's not much we can do when I'm having a party or I have my baseball league team over here, you know, and yeah. every, you know, half the team smokes, half of them don't. Right. So, mm -hmm. you know, the, uh, a lot of the smokers will sit to one side of my yard, you know, and we'll be out. A lot of us sit out towards the backside of the yard that don't smoke. So we don't have to be around it. So nice. you know, there's uh, it's just, like I said, it's a mindset. You got to be ready for it and you got to know how to cope with it when those cravings come you know. And if you don't, there's, there's, places you can call there's websites you can go to um government of canada has some great websites they'll even help you know you get uh some medications and stuff like that if you want to go that route to quit so i mean there's just so many options the problem is not a lot of people know about it you know that's the yes. thing. yeah that's true yeah. you know they're like like me i chose to do it on my own you know but a lot of people you know where they don't have that willpower mm -hmm. they need that extra help right so yes you know if if anyone's seeing it and you know you don't have that willpower to quit look on the government websites. Those are usually the best ones. That's right? awesome. Yeah. That's very cool. And you know what? We're all for that because I think one of the hardest things is people thinking in anything that they need to quit, that they need to quit it cold turkey. And they've heard the stories of the people that have just white knuckled it, like Mike always says. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's really the worst way. I mean, if you can do it, fine. But it's really the worst way to do it. Because you're, it's not going to be successful for the most well, part. And I mean, especially for a lot of older people, guys getting into my age, you know, I'm in my mid forties now coming up on mm -hmm. the mid forties, you know, a lot of people in their fifties and sixties, they smoked for 40 years of their life, yeah. right? Your body's so used to that. Yeah. And when you get some people, just your body becomes so dependent on it for you to take it away. It's a shock to your body. You know, yep. Yep. you know, I used to get bad anxiety attacks when I quit before. And the doctor mm -hmm. said, did you quit cold turkey? And he says, yeah, I quit cold turkey. He goes, That's why. There you go. These anxiety attacks and you get these cold sweats, your body wants the nicotine. You're not giving it what it wants. You just cut yourself off completely. Right. Right. So he's right. like, you know, either you're not ready for it or your body's not ready for it. He's like, you know, so mm -hmm. like, you know, it's, it all depends on the person, right? Yeah. Each individual has a different way of dealing with things and everybody's body reacts differently to things. So yeah, right. it's, um, it's just something you got to try for yourself. Right. And you got to figure out what's best for you when you want to do it. Like I said, I've tried the pill. I've tried the patch. I tried everything. You know, I've gotten my ear pierced. They told me piercing ear would do it. I never did it. I tried the laser treatment, spent $300 on a laser treatment and started smoking two months later. You know, What's the laser treatment? Um, So basically they take a laser and they go inside your ear and there's a spot inside your ear. A lot of people pierce it and whatnot. It's good for your migraines and that stuff, right? Uh, really? Once you get that laser treatment in there, it's hits a nerve cluster and it's supposed to... That nerve cluster, you know, uh, is when you want a cigarette or you want a beer, it's those those urges and those for what you want. It helps tame them, right? It tones uh -huh. them down a little bit. For a lot of uh -huh. people, it works. I mean, it worked for me, but, you know, not everyone has that willpower, that strength to last it, right? So mm -hmm. everyone's different. I never heard about that. Me neither. Yeah. Oh. People, my, my, my son's mother had it done. Uh, it worked for her. She hasn't smoked, you know, so. Yeah, like I said, everybody's different. There's, yeah. there's so many ways to to go about it nowadays to quit. So, 
what you got to do is just, you know, look online, run, run your, run your opinion through everything, see what works best for you, you know, or try something, try, try different things every time. Yes. Something's going to work, you know, you just got to be persistent. Just like when you want that girl to marry you, you got to be persistent. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Is there anything in your life that you could compare this to from the past or even recently? Is this anything Um, that you've experienced that you're like, wow, this reminds me of. Well, to be honest, um, when I was younger, I did a lot of cocaine. Mm. You know, like everybody, you know, some people get into this drug, they get into that drug, you know. Sure. Me, I had a real, you know, I had a real uh, sketchy childhood growing up. You know what I mean? Um, I had a father who worked two full-time jobs, was never there. Mm. I had a mother who was there but didn't care about anything. You know, Mm. from the time I was six years old, I got up, made my own breakfast, got myself off to school every day. I did that on my own at six years old. My mother was too busy sleeping. Would never want to get out of bed until, you know, noon. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, things like that. You know, my father worked two full-time jobs. I mean, yeah, he did it to provide. Part of me resented because he was never there, but I understood it, you know. Mm-hmm. And situations like that and stuff like that growing up, it, you know, it, some people, you know, you feel some pain from something. For me, it was absenteeism from my from my parents, you know, whether it was their fault or not their fault or, you know, it was out of their hands, whatever yeah. it was, you know. So I turned to some drugs and got into cocaine when I was young. Okay. And I kind of compared this to quitting that because that was a really tough thing. Um, that was my go-to drug. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I was constantly, you know, I'd uh, constantly fight with my parents when I was younger, and I'd fight with my girlfriend at the time of eight years, and that's all we did was fight, and it was oh. always fight, 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 fight. So you ran to the drug to escape it and to get rid of the headache and get rid of the miserable life that you feel you're living at the time, right? So mm-hmm. I compared it to that. That's that's what it, what it felt like, is tearing yourself away from something like that, the very highly addictive drug. You know, it's mm-hmm. basically what it is. Oh. Everyone thinks that cigarettes are just yeah, it's a cigarette. No. It's just as bad as anything else. Yes. You know, it's just legally sold. That's all. That's exactly it. Yeah. Yep. yep. Absolutely. Oh, so I didn't I, know about yeah. that. Yeah. I, well, like I said, uh, I came on here today fully knowing I was going to be well open with everything. So, like I said, I've got nothing to hide. Um, I want to do anything I can to help anyone to not fall into my shoes or, yeah. you know, that someone that has, then know that there's a way out. Yes. Yeah, please. There's always a way out. Yeah. Uh, And I mean, I can't blame my parents for everything that happened with me in my youth. I caused a lot of that shit myself. You know what I mean? So that's just part and parcel of growing up and learning and becoming a man, I guess. Right. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) well, if you could go back in time and, or if somebody is in the situation where you were at previously, you know, they're younger and they come from a troubled home or a challenging situation at home. Is there something you thought you could have done differently that would have prevented you from going down certain roads here? Or is that just inevitable in your opinion? So um, you just got to learn from your mistakes or the things that we do in life, the experiences teach us. No, I, I agree with all that. I believe you got to learn from your mistakes. I believe that for some people it is inevitable because there is no escape. They don't have an escape. They don't have someone to talk to. They don't have a place to vent their issues. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Those issues turn into a habit and those habits will eventually kill you you know what i mean like i can remember we were all young and we all used to drink and have fun you know what i mean and i could always turn that off and go weeks without having a beer or whatever and i still do that like you know summertime's a little different you know we get together we got our baseball league so i play four or five days a week you know so i'm always having off one beer after game here one beer in between games here you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and at the end of the night well you know i buy around for the team so everyone's got two beers in their hand we're having a good time you know 
And then I can go three or four weeks without even wanting a beer or drinking a beer or having any alcohol at all. Right. Well, yeah. So for some people, those kind of some of the, some of those vices they do have are easy to say no to. Right. Yeah. It's only a vice when you when you want it to be. Right. Some people, it's not that easy. It's always a vice whether you like it or not. Right. You know, mm -hmm. we see it like that. We see it on the addiction shows and everything, you know, heroin addicts and, and people addicted to meth and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, even people are addicted to, um, well, you know, the, the aerosol sprays. You know, mm -hmm. there's just so many things out there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And um, my biggest thing, I think, was um, I, I didn't ever want to talk about it. I, you you know, I maybe have had the people to talk to. They might have been there. But I didn't make myself available. So how are they supposed to know? Right. Why and didn't you want to? Well, when we're in you know, when you're you're in those situations, you shut yourself off to the world, right? You're loathing in your own self-pity and your own, you know, your own uh how do you call it? Like your own self-worth, right? Like yeah. You don't you feel worthless. Shame, yeah. Right. And you, you want to pity yourself, you want people to feel sorry for you so that they're not saying, Hey, that's the drug addict, or hey, that's the guy that drinks all day and every day, you know. So it's uh for everybody's different but i feel that if everybody you know for just talk tell your mom tell your dad tell your brother tell your sister tell your aunt tell your uncle yeah. somebody somebody if you yeah. think someone's going to judge you go to the person you think that's not going to judge you you know that's going to listen to you before they offer their advice yes that's what people need right everyone's so quick to offer advice to think that well because i went through it that's the right way to do it and this doesn't work like that for everybody you know absolutely wow. oh my gosh this is fabulous it's taken, me, well, it's taken me a long time to see this kind of thing you know like a long time i now i can look back and go wow i was freaking stupid why did i do that you know but then i'm look i wasn't looking at it like that then i was looking yeah. at it to escape i didn't want to feel the pain you know mm -hmm. yeah. and that's exactly what it is it's, yeah. it's a way to escape your pain that's you exactly so did, did you do anything to uh come to terms with your pain or was um, it yeah, just time I did uh, a lot of confrontations. Um, the hardest thing was uh, I, I had to cut my mother out of my life. Um, she's a very poisonous person. Um, she's very uh, overbearing. She tries to inflict her will on you. Uh, mm -hmm. She feels she's always right when she's wrong. You know, she's um, parts of her life. I know, you know, when she would tell us stories, you know, you've always heard stories from your parents. Mm -hmm. Funny thing was that always uh, her stories were always made up. Right. And it was never corroborated. And the only thing that was corroborated was that it was made up. Mm. You know what I mean? So I dealt mm. with so many things where, you know, she wanted, you know, people to like her, you know, in certain groups. So she would, oh, I was into that. And I would do this and I would do that. You know what I mean? And I'm just yeah. like, yeah. Uh, like one day, um, my dad had some friends over and they all got to talking about cars. She butted into the conversation. I know about cars. I took shop class and blah, 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 blah right and lo and behold you know the, where they went to school there was no shot class and back then um, there wasn't a good majority of females that would take the shot classes right so you know mm -hmm. you find these things all later and it just disappoints you it's like why do you have to lie about your life why do you got to make yourself sound so important you mm -hmm. know what i mean yeah so i mean I'm, I'm part of me has probably picked up some of that you know i want to be a mr know-it-all <laughs> you know <laughs> but i know i know when i don't know something and i know when i know something so yeah. good Okay. I mean, uh, and like I said, with my dad, you know, none of this was out of his fault. He worked two full-time jobs because my mother refused to work and he had to support us, 
You know what I mean? Yeah. And when you're trying to pay for two vehicles and you're trying to pay for rent or mortgage and insurance and all that, everything, you know, it's mm-hmm. a, it's, it was a tough life. I, I mean, we moved around quite a bit, you know, the first couple of years of my life, you know, until I was four, settled down with my grandparents. My dad lost his job. We all know in the late seventies, early eighties, Fords, Chrysler's, they all hit rock yeah. bottom. So we went through all that. I grew up through all that. You know, we struggled. You ate macaroni and cheese every night for dinner and, and hot dogs, right? So, yeah. and I'm sure we were all there. Everyone knows that struggle. You know, yeah. there's a rare few in this city that do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, just things like that. It's, you know, little things, right? So those things get to you, right? And it's like, you know, when you have friends over, my mom's always, oh, well, you know, we did this and we did that. And I would look up and just be like, oh, would you just please stop lying? Mm-hmm. You don't have to impress my friends. They're they're not impressed by your stories, you know? Mm-hmm. So then it was just stuff like that. And, you know, it gets to you after a while and you just need to get away. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, you know, um, I noticed, you know, towards my 20s, I was a rebel like everybody else. So, you know, we all rebelled and we partied and we had fun. We all hung out the strip downtown. And, you know, mm-hmm. we all did bar hop and we had fun and we got into fights and we did stupid shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Stupid stuff. You know, and I've come to realize now having kids and, you know, I have a daughter who's 21 and I have a son who's 14 and you see the life they're growing up in. It's nothing close to what we grew up in. Yeah. You know, um, they didn't see a lot of the struggles we did. Kids nowadays have so much more to offer for them. You know what I mean? Like uh, the technology computer, like when I was a young man, we had one computer for everybody in the house. Yeah. You know, now, now. Pretty much everyone in my house has a laptop. <laughs> We've all got a tablet. We've all got yeah. a cell phone. You know, we didn't have those things when I was a kid. Yeah. You know, I have my son at eight years old. He's a YouTube freak because, you know, he loves YouTube and he's always on there. So, you know, there's, uh, we never had those kind of things, you know, to take us away from that stuff. Right. So that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we didn't have the, the technologies. What well, we just plainly did, did not have it. And we would all go and hang out and party. And that's what we would do. And, Drugs were the thing that showed up at the parties, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, when we were young and grade school, I can remember when I first started smoking cigarettes, we would have new year's parties. My mom, my buddy's mom would take off and we have all my friends show up there. And of course they would, all the parents would come back just before midnight so that we weren't all by ourselves all night long, but you know, mm-hmm. and I mean, hell, I can remember smoking a pack of cigarettes while we were playing crazy eights or Euchre, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, we, yeah. you know, and at that age, we weren't drinking or doing anything else, but we were smoking. Yeah. You know, everyone had a cigarette in his mouth. We'd show up to a party when, like, now you show up, everyone's got a case of beer. Back then, everyone showed up with two or three packs of cigarettes, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> that's just how it was when we were young, you know? Yeah. How'd you get those? Um, well, we all remember back in the day, you just needed a note from your dad, and you could walk into any corner store. You know, it wasn't until I turned, I think, 13, 14, that they banned selling cigarettes to, to minors, right? You had to be 19. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I used to remember walking to the corner store with a note from my dad. Special mild flip top. <laughs> Morier. And that's what I had to get for him every time. And I remember going every day. It was two packs every day. And he'd give me a $10 bill. And i come because I was allowed to get a piece of candy or a sucker or something as long as I got him his cigarettes. So yeah. I could spend some of the change for myself, you know. Well, wow. you know, and you're the you're running. You're always getting those cigarettes, and you look at them every day, and you look at them every day, and you're just always like, "I won't smoke. I'll never smoke." Mm-hmm. And you know, you hang out with what your buddies, and a pack of cigarettes comes out, and guess what? You're smoking. Yeah. 
Do you do either of your kids smoke or no? well, I mean, not your son, obviously, it sounds um, like. Well, I mean, my daughter has never showed any interest in smoking. Okay. Um, you know, uh, I don't think her mother ever smoked that okay. I can remember. I mean, when we were young, we smoked, but I don't ever remember her smoking after we were, you know, we were in our late teens to early 20s. Okay. And uh, my son, no, he's never really had to care for it. I mean, mm-hmm. like there's been a few things uh, that my ex have brought up to me, you know, like uh, she, you know, because we're privy to all his electronics, right? So mm-hmm. I get to see all the stuff from his schooling and she sends me emails if there's anything questionable that he's writing back and forth and, you know, and their messaging and stuff like that. And one day they had a forum and they had people come in and discuss about the hazards of smoking cigarettes and all that kind of stuff. Right. We all had that in high school. Yeah. And uh, so they were doing that and he would, he had put through a few questions in the forum on his computer. And one of his questions was, if I just have one puff of a cigarette, can I get cancer? Well, his mom freaked out. (laughs) She Mm -hmm. called me right away. She sent me screenshots of the, of the messages. Right. You have to question them, but you can't let them know that it was me. And I says, no, I says, you can't hide this stuff. This is what gets them to think we are being shady. If you want him to be straight up and honest with you, you have to come out and tell them. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I read your messages. My only concern is, did you smoke or have you smoked? You know what I mean? That's Mm -hmm. what you're going to ask them. Good for you. They're going to go behind your back. And and either, you know, they're going to end up smoking or they're not. But you got a 50-50 chance, right? And I'd prefer to see them not even try. I don't want them to go through the struggles I went through. Uh, uh, When I added it up, my God, the hundreds of thousands of dollars I spent on cigarettes. Wow. Yeah. I I could be driving a Lamborghini right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. You know, it's it makes you look back and just go, wow. You know, yeah. how did I not smoke? I could have done this. I could have done that. Mm-hmm. You know? And now you realize, hey, I'm not smoking. You know? All that money is coming back into my pocket now. It's nice. Like, uh, before, we never really struggled. We never mm-hmm. really looked paycheck to paycheck, you know? Mm-hmm. And... Um, I notice now there's a little bit more money there. You know what I mean? So if I want to go do that extra round of golf with my buddies or, you know, nice money's there to do it now. You know, I don't have to go, okay, well, I could, you know, I could stretch out this pack of cigarettes for a week so I can go golfing with my friends this weekend, you know, yeah. so I don't have to dip into my, my, my reserve cash and my emergency mm-hmm. funds, you know? Yeah. That's I mean, awesome. In the US, you know, we save up a nice little chunk of money in an emergency fund and something goes wrong with the car or, you know, so, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, you know, it's nice to have that there. I never had that when I was younger. I never had an emergency fund or, you know, had a, I went on vacation. I would just grab my last paycheck after work and go on vacation, you know, awesome. $700, $800 and just go with that. Mm-hmm. Now I actually can plan ahead of time and plan a vacation and have the money there. And it's nice. I like it. It's great. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. I've got to, I've got to ask. Okay. So, um, how did you quit the cocaine? What was that like? Like, did you have something that got you off of it or like, what was that whole part all about? Um, They're called the Windsor police. (laughs) Okay. (gasps) Well, what happened was, was, um, I got on a couple rant raves with my girlfriend at the time. Right. And you know, it never got really physical with me and her. Like there might be a little bit of, you know, I get a shove as I'm walking by and I would, you know, make it known mm-hmm. I wasn't happy about it. It mm-hmm. didn't get a physical point where I would harm her. She would harm me, but it was close. You know what I mean? A few times the police would get called and I'd be mm-hmm. asked to leave the property for 24 hours. And then I'd come back, things would be fine for a week and that's right back to where it was. And that had a lot to do with the drugs. When you can't get the drugs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The attitudes form. And when the drugs are there, there's always someone thinking someone's not sharing. 
right? Mm -hmm. It's a dynamic and it's an ugly dynamic and I've seen it all too often, right? So I, I know when I can see it happening, you know, because I've been through it. Yeah. And, you know, so that's what it was. Like I just too many times I got locked up and wasn't allowed to go back to my own place. And it was because of the drugs. Right. And one day I just said, you know, uh, I got arrested. My apartment got destroyed. I caught my girlfriend out with a bunch of other guys and mm, sorry. wasn't just caught her out hanging out with them. I caught her doing stuff. Mm -hmm. so she brought these guys back to my house and they were literally a block away. She brought them back to my house to have them try and remove me from my property. Well, I mean, that's not an easy thing to remove me from anywhere if mm -hmm. I don't want to be removed. So I put up a fight and at the end, I ended up out in the middle of the street, December 7th. Uh, I want to say it's going on 16, 17 years ago now that it happened. Okay. Uh, end up in the middle of Dougal and Wyandotte, no shirt on, in my jeans and my dress shoes, no shirt, and I'm fighting a guy. I got a handful of his hair and I'm punching him in the face and I feel a bang on my back. And as I'm flying through the air, I look over and I see a cop car. And so they put me in cuffs and asked me what was going on. So I told them, I says, well. I caught my girlfriend in bed with that guy that's knocked out with that mm -hmm. guy that's knocked out. And with this guy that you saw me fighting with, mm -hmm. I says, the other two guys in the house ran away when I pulled those two guys off the porch and knocked them both out. Yeah. So what happened after mm -hmm. that? Well, the cop told me, he goes, it's not going to be pretty for you. He goes, you're going to get charged with destruction of property. He goes, even if it's your own property, you're getting charged. And I got charged. Okay. I had to pay a $2,000 fine. Mm -hmm. uh, I spent, a week in jail. Wow. Um, my dad had to fly home from Australia at the time. My dad was living in Australia with his girlfriend. He had to fly home from Australia to bail me out. Wow. Um, yeah, it wasn't pretty. And I mean, wow. I had to, and at that point, um, I know my mom was briefly in and out of my life. Mm -hmm. I had to move in with this woman that I at the time detested because I had nowhere to go. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, I moved in with her and, you know, things slowly got better over the years and, you know, um, but at that point, it was quit the drugs, go to rehab, go to anger management, or mm -hmm. go to jail. That's what yeah. my options were given to me by the judge. Okay. So I took the options of going to rehab and getting myself better. So I okay. went to rehab in the hospital. I spent two weeks in there and uh, completed that, was released. I completed all my probation and everything and made my life better from there. Wow. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. I had a little bit of a relapse one night okay. and some police saw me having my relapse and the one officer knew who I was from my incident. And he came over and politely reminded me how quick I could be right back to where I was. Wow. Good. And, uh, I, I don't forget that conversation to this day. I don't, I honestly wish I knew that officer's name. I'd like to thank him. Wow. Really? That's beautiful. Yeah. Big change. Wow. I think that was the eye opener there was when he told me now you're not looking at a few months here or there in prison, you're looking at two years minimum. So I said, no, I'm, I, I'm, I can't do that. I can't be away from my kids for this. It's not worth it. You yeah. know, well, at the time I just had my daughter. Right. So it wasn't worth it to me, but you know. And so he just, he just let you go, gave you kind of like a, um, yeah, he, he let me go because well, he basically didn't catch me with anything at the time, but he saw me do it. Good. Uh, and needless to say, when you're, when you want to get high, you'll do it anywhere. He saw me in a phone booth downtown wow. doing a rail off the top of the phone booth and who knows what dirty stuff was up there. You know what I mean? It's just, it sickens yeah. me now when I think about it. It really sickens me when I think about it. 
Yeah. But now I look back and think, I don't think I could be the person I am now unless I went through that. I really, honestly, I, a lot of my life, I've learned the hard way. Yeah. I'm a thick-headed guy, so, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but uh, there's a lot of people who, they've abandoned everybody because yeah. they wanted to get high. So, it's not necessarily. Yeah, I've, I've seen it. I've uh, lived with it firsthand with uh, with a relative. Um, yeah. It's not common necessarily for you to say, yeah, I'm actually going to stop because I do care. A lot of people are so addicted, they'll just plow through that and well, and the, the thing is, is that it's not that they don't care about anybody else or anything. It's that they've no. learned to care more about the drug than they've learned to care about anybody else at that point, right? Or right. even care about themselves. Part of them, I mean, part of me hated myself back then. I hated my life. I hated the way I grew up. I hated everything, right? Mm -hmm. And some people they don't hate the, anything but themselves, right? They have that inner hate for themselves yeah. and they destroy themselves by doing the drugs. Right. Uh, we see, I see it every day. I see it every day. I mean, I have a, a bunch of people I grew up with and known each other since we were four or five, six years old huh. that I don't talk to in the last 15 years, you know, yeah. because I don't want, well, I just can't be associated with it. You know, I can't watch someone slide downhill. I offer my help. If it's not wanted, yeah. my offer comes off the table. Yeah, it's hard. You can't put yourself down to help someone that doesn't want the help, basically. I've learned that, you know, it's taken me years. But that's You can't that's put yourself down? What do you mean by that? I'm sorry? You can't put yourself down, you said. What do you mean by that? To um, help someone well, else? I, could, I, I mean, I can't put myself into that situation now. You know what I mean? Like, um, where I see, like, I have a friend. You know, uh, he got clean for a couple of years. And now he's right back into the stuff. And, you know, he tried, wants to constantly. He contacts me on a regular, wants me to come hang out. I just, I can't do it. Mm. I made it a point that I, I can't be around. And I, I, I call it poisonous people because his pain can trigger my pain. And who mm. knows, maybe I relapse again. You know what I mean? It's got to be a conscious effort on your part to know your triggers and know what they are and to avoid them. Right. Yes. Now with me, a lot of my triggers that, you know, 10 years ago would have got me going. Now I, I can see those triggers now. They don't, they're not really a factor, you know, they're not a factor in my everyday life anymore. So I know that I think I'm over that part of my addiction for that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I mean, it's, it's, it's hard work, you know, yeah, it sure is. I mean, it, it, for someone like me, who's done it on their own with, with no outside help other than my rehab that I had, you know, when I got in trouble, mm -hmm. um, it was a struggle. You know, parts of me wanted to ask for help. Part of me is too proud to ask for help. It's just mm. the way I was brought up, you know, my family life. You're brought up to be proud of yourself and be, you know, you shouldn't have to ask for help. You should be able to get off your ass and do these things yourself yeah. and be the responsible person. You know, that was drilled into my head by my grandfather, you know, mm. and he was, he was a military man. You mm -hmm. know, we all mm -hmm. grew up with a lot of military men in our family, you know, especially our grandparents. And that's the one thing that he drilled into our head was being a responsible person and and, and going out there and doing what's right and doing the, the right thing for you and for you, for your family. You know what I mean? Yes. That was a big thing for him. So he always drilled that into my head and it always kind of sat back there. Right. Yeah. And I never really paid attention to it until I started having kids of my own. Yeah. And then you realize it's not just about you. It's about them. Yes. It doesn't matter what I do anymore. It matters what they see me do and what I can emulate to them so they can bring that into their own lives and make their own decisions wisely. You know, yes. yeah. it's a tough thing. It really is. 
That's like, you great. know, it's, I can't say it's all been great. It's uphill, downhill, you know, but yeah. it's gotten me to my point now where I'm comfortable and I don't itch in my own skin to, so to speak kind of thing, you know, and I, I feel, I'm comfortable with myself now. I, I, I don't feel like I've lost anything out of my life. And anyway, I kind of felt when I was younger about, you know, not having a parental figure there or anything like that. It's, it's gone, you know. I don't hold the grudges against it. I, I don't hold the grudge against my parents. I've even started talking to my mother again. You know what I really? mean? Really? I made it abundantly clear to her she's gonna be held at a distance, right? Mm -hmm. But it's my mother, you know. I still love her. <laughs> That's <laughs> you know? awesome. Yeah. I was yeah. gonna ask that if because it was I was trying to get kind of the timeline of where you kind of cut her off and then where she was and where you are now. So that yeah, is so nice to hear. I cut her off right in around, um, I wanna say right around when my son was born. It's Finn. Okay. She showed up at our doorstep one day with a shaved head, clearly shaved head. Okay. And claiming that because my dad smoked cigarettes around here, she had gotten cancer. Okay. So with further questioning, you know, you don't go see your family doctor to get a radiated medication. We all know that you have to be a licensed, uh, practitioner for that you know um or licensed oncologist right so you have to be licensed to do all that and just things she was saying weren't clicking and the hardest thing was was that my son's mother um her father died of cancer so she knows when someone's going through it what the radiation does to them what they look like right mm -hmm. she faked that and we called her out on it right away and she then she claimed to have these multiple personalities Right. And that's when I just said, you know, until you get help, I can't, I can't let you around my son. I can't let my, him grow up the way that I grew up. He's not mm -hmm. going to ever see the way that you treated me or the way that you did these things to me. Mm -hmm. You know, if he wants to know, he can ask me and I'll just tell him mm -hmm. and I'll be straight up with him. You know what I mean? But I got to right. think he had that right age for it too. You know, he could ask me tomorrow and I would probably tell him, come ask me in two years when you'll understand it better. You're still young. You just started high school, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of things you're going to learn that you still don't know. You know, I thought I knew everything when I was in grade nine and come right. grade 10, I felt like I was stupid because I felt like I knew nothing, you know, yeah. exactly. <laughs> you know, life can, life can punch you in the face like that sometimes. Right. So, yeah. so is your mom open to getting help? Cause it does sound like that. I mean, nobody, nobody so, makes up these stories without having some sort of something um, going on. I've come to see my mom as a person that can pull the blinders over your eyes right? Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm going to get help. Um, yeah, I'm getting counseling. Yeah, I'm doing this. Yeah, I'm doing that. Mm -hmm. And then two weeks later, she gets back to the same old person she was. And you're okay, if you're getting help, and you're, you know, you're saying you're getting help, they should be showing you these things, you know, when you when you react to something like this, you know, they, you know, uh, psychologists, uh, they all will give you ways to cope with that kind of stuff. And to see it and stop yourself from doing it right mm -hmm. and of course it's learned over time it's not something you pick up overnight yeah. but you know two weeks into it well and you know i wasn't getting along with that doctor and i didn't like the way that he was telling me to deal with things so i'm gonna get treatment from my pastor okay well, don't get me wrong you know we we i grew up in a religious background i'm roman catholic you know yeah. i did all my first communion all that stuff you know i've been there Mm -hmm. But I, I'm sorry, a pastor is not qualified to, mm -hmm. to help you when it comes to these kind of, especially with mental health. Obviously, for her, it was a mental health issue. Yeah. You know what I mean? And even to this, to, to now, I get messages from her. One day, she's nice to me. The next day, it's back to the same old Jackie Dunlop that she was, right? Yeah. Um, 
those and those kind of things, you know, it hurts, you know, because well, I thought she was getting help, and you say to yourself, you know, she seemed fine, and then you know, she seemed to be a different person, like she was actually taking to her to to what her doctor was uh, helping her with, and and sticking to the program he set for her, yeah. and then it's boom, right back to the same old person where you're sending me threatening uh, messages and. Yeah. You're telling me, oh, you don't let me see my grandkids, and that's not fair. Well, I'm until so, you get yourself straight, they don't need to see you. They don't yeah. need to see this. They don't. That's a hard decision. That's a yeah. it's it's a very hard decision, but <laughs> it's a pretty easy decision, actually. Well, okay. I mean, it's an right. easy one for me to make for myself, but it's a hard one to make for my kid. How do you tell someone they can't get to know your grandmother because she's a yes. in all sense of the word, she's a little kooky. You know what I mean? How do you say that? To your, how do you say that to a kid? You just you can't. You know what I mean? It's a hard thing, and it's a hard well, thing for a kid at that age to let them make that decision. But I had to let my son make the decision. I had to give him all the information that I didn't want him to know. You know, mm -hmm. he's fourteen. I can't make that decision for him. He's got to be the one to make that decision. You know, and and he's got to be able to stick by his decision. So if he says he doesn't want to get to know her, then she's got to respect that at the same time. You know, that's right. So uh, yeah. you know. It, it pulls it pulls you in both directions kind of thing right because mm -hmm. i want her yeah. here and i want her to get to know her grandkids but you know her mental health issues won't allow that and the fact that you can put yourself into a treatment program and just pull yourself out you know what i mean without a doctor even throwing up a red flag you know what if she like i've seen her freak out on her boyfriends to where she's almost violent no. What if that happened when my son was there and she had an episode and I wasn't around? Or what if she does that to her fiance? Mm -hmm. What if she does that to my brother? Like, you know, everything seems to be good. Or my brother goes over to visit she and she has a wig out session and she injures him. So you just, mm -hmm. you don't know what's going to happen next. So, you know, like I said, mm -hmm. it's, it's an easy decision to make for me, but it's hard to make for my kids. They have to be able to make that decision themselves. Yeah. So, you know, I had to tell him the way I grew up and how she was. And how, yeah, she seems fine for weeks and weeks on end and then snap, she's a totally different person. And mm -hmm. it makes you just want to run away and you don't want to deal with it. You're getting yelled at. And I mean, you know, we all got hit with a belt when we were young. We grew up in that age, right? Mm -hmm. Where the discipline back then was your parents hit with your belt or you got that wooden spoon out of the drawer. <laughs> well, all the belts and wooden spoons didn't work on me. I've got a tough ass. <laughs> at my mom when she would discipline me with these things, right? Didn't go and well. it would make her mad and she would hit me harder and then it got to the point where she realized obviously the tool i'm using isn't effective mm -hmm. i'm going to use something a little bit heavier and she ground down a two by four with a handle in it so she could whoop my butt with that thing yeah. you know what i mean like that's just the mentality and that's the way they were raised that's how they know it mm -hmm. i took yeah. myself out of that whole thing i could have kept that mentality mm -hmm. you know i could have gave my kids a cuff every time they were acting out doing stuff but I made the decision before I ever had a kid. They were not going to grow up the way I grew up. Yeah. I was not going to let them struggle and go through the struggles I went through that turned me into that drug addict you know, or that mm -hmm. led me uh, taking that drug. I don't, I just, I want to eliminate that for them. You know, yes. I want to have a spot where if my son's having a problem, he can come talk to me. I, I didn't have that. You know, yeah. hard to talk to your mother yeah. when she sleeps all day. And it's hard to talk to a father who works two full-time jobs. Here. You know, mm -hmm. so, yeah. so that he can provide for your family. So yeah, it's it's tough, really tough. Yeah. Yeah, that's gr wow. Powerful stuff here today from Jay Dunlop. This has been very enlightening, a very honest and open discussion. Yeah. Jay has not pulled any punches. Jay, really want to thank you for being so honest and direct mm -hmm. about your experience and some of the lessons you learned. And you know, not everybody will take everything 
uh, but you might find a few things that you take from what Jay talked about today and apply them to your own experience of parenting or your individual challenges with addiction or whatever other personal struggles you're having. And that's what we try to do here. And that's why I really want to thank you, Jay, for being open and honest, man. You are a commendable guy, and I uh, really appreciate you being on today. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. 100% you're welcome. And I appreciate you guys reaching out to me, you know. Like, believe me, Leanne went to school, and when you saw that I quit and you reached out to me, I think um, it made me sit there and say to myself, you know, I, I, I need to do this. Yes. I need to do this. Like I, I, you know, if I can help one person quit smoking or avoid yes. doing co- drugs, yeah. you know, and I mean, don't get me wrong. I like to smoke my weed. You know, we yeah. all have our thing. For me, it's a pain thing, right? I was in a bad accident. So it's a nerve pain thing. It helps me calm my nerves. But, you know, it's become a part of my life that, mm-hmm. you know. And I don't never see that as much as addiction as I do with cigarettes or cocaine or heroin, methamphetamines, you know, whatever mm-hmm. the addiction is. I've never seen it like that. So, you know, like I said, if anything, any part of my experiences can help someone, yes. then, you know, I've succeeded. You know, yeah. I'll, I'll be happy. Well, I think you have. I definitely think you have. And I think a lot of your messages, and that's what I love about this show, is just having a conversation Mm -hmm. um, because a lot of things came out of it. I loved the fact that you said, you know, I tried the pills. I tried the patch. I tried the this. I tried everything. And then you know, I finally had the right mindset. And then I finally did this. And the, the vape works. And that's important to talk about because a lot of people will say, okay, here I am in my success. Here I am. And this is what helped. And then you look at it like, oh man, they tried one thing and it worked. And nobody talks about that story of the 27 years prior that they were trying all of the things. So Jay, I just, I, I echo exactly what Mike said. I'm so grateful that you were here and sharing your story. Um, I really do know, I know that this is going to help more than one person, but like you said, even if it's one, it's worth it. Yep. Exactly. And like I said, I, I I appreciate the invite, guys. It was it's a great experience. Yes. You know, if it, and if you ever need a, another guest, feel free to invite me. I'd be glad to come back on. Thank you. We will. Oh. This is this is just this is fantastic. And you know what? We may even in the future have like a couple of people and start having like a bigger conversation about things. Um, right. Because Definitely. it's very interesting. Everybody that comes on the show, I'm so grateful, are as open as you are. Um, and that takes a different kind of person to be able yeah. to just any question that comes up, you don't skirt around it. So well, I mean, I come from a very sheltered life, right? Or you, you didn't discuss your problems with other people. So right. it's nice to be able to get it out there. Yes. You know, I get, yeah. it, I get it off my chest every day with my fiance. So it's nice to be able to get it off my chest with with some, you know, some people that I uh, that I know. And people that don't know me at all you know what i mean yes. like it's it's gonna i think it's, it feels good i feel great right now yes that's, <laughs> that's awesome. awesome we're that's so fantastic. proud of you yeah and we can me... change things by being open and honest we don't have to stick to the same old script yeah exactly and well, when she said, quit... I, I wanted like i said from day one and i told my fiance i'm going into this to be open and honest there's no i'm not going to pull any punches i'm going to answer any questions you guys got however personal it is you know because mm-hmm. that helps you know that stuff can build up you know it, yeah you, yeah you talk about it once in your life but when you talk about it consecutively over the years and don't just confine it to that one moment yes that problem stays out of your life it doesn't come back you know you're confronted right. every day so amen so, yes yeah. and when your fiance quit smoking then we can have both of you guys back on and you guys can talk about oh, it oh most definitely <laughs> 
shy, but I, I can talk her into it. Okay, perfect. <laughs> that's All awesome. right, that's fantastic. We thank Jen Jay Dunlop for joining us. A very honest, open story about not just smoking, a lot of stuff. So we you never know what we're going to unpack here on the show, and that's why we do the show. And hopefully you'll take something from it in your own life or someone you love and care about that you're trying to help. Maybe you can make a difference in the life. And if you don't, uh, just try to enjoy the experience and learn from somebody else. Uh, we have the first day pod at gmail.com. If you want to email us about anything you heard or future interactions on the show, if you'd like to be a guest, you have a story to tell that you think will help others, first day pod at gmail.com. And the book club is on Monday nights. We got a new book we're starting next week. No more sleep revolution. There it is. It's yeah. in Leanne's hand if you could see it on the live stream for those of you that are listening on the mm -hmm. podcast version. Untamed. By Glennon so. Doyle. So we're starting the part one next Monday. Um, so email us and we'll get you the free link. Um, it's an hour. We start on time. We end on time. Um, we'd love to have you guys. It's always a really great conversation. There it is. Okay. Well, thank you, Jay. And everybody out there, we wish you guys all the best. Easy does it, everybody. And we'll catch you next time. Bye.